Let me introduce you to my guests in no particular order. We do have Evangelist Eastern Zanum, an evangelist who is a Hebrew Israelite and no stranger to the program. Evangelist, good evening to you, and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. All right, let's try and see if we have another guest since we don't have the evangelist as yet. We do have all scheduled to speak to Mulana Masego. Mulana is going to be joining us, giving us some perspective as a Muslim theologian and a former Imam, giving us some perspective from the Muslim community. Imam, or Mulana rather, good evening to you and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Mulana, can you hear me? Okay, it would appear as though we do not have the Mulana. All right, we're also scheduled to speak to Lori Gorm. Lori Gorm is a gay minister at the Dutch Reformed Church and does work in gender equality or equity and reconciliation, giving us some perspective as a person who is directly affected in this matter and perhaps could give us some guidance as to what ought to be and should be done for this community. We're trying to get connected to our guests for this program and please, please, you are most welcome to join the conversation. As soon as we are able to get connected to our guests, you will get the opportunity to join in and hear what they have to say. But I would like you to begin that right now. Start dialing and sending your texts right now. You have your own views. I'd love to hear those views right now. The number is to dial 011-714-2006. Again, 011-714-2006. That's the line you can use to call us here in the studio would love to hear what you have to say in the matter and also we're also available on twitter and on facebook the hashtag is hashtag sfm facts of faith and the handle is at sfm radio at sfm radio on whatsapp we also welcome your whatsapp texts which would be much appreciated if you'd keep them as brief and to the point as possible i honestly will not be able to read lengthy texts so please make sure you keep them brief and succinct so that we may be able to just cut to the chase get to the point our guests should be able to pick up what you're saying without reading a convoluted text hoping you understand exactly the point that i'm making there that cuts across the whole whatsapp line if you want to send a voice note kindly keep your voice note under a minute we would love to hear what you have to say but please keep your voice note to under a minute. Once it gets lengthy, it starts to sound like you're the guest now and we, we overlook the opportunity to get the insights and perhaps your question answered by the actual guests. So please keep your voice notes and your texts very brief. If it's a voice note, keep it under a minute so that we may be able to get the gist of what you're saying. And that also is most welcome for you to send it right now. The number to dial or to send rather for your voice notes and text 0614104107. Again, 0614104107. I'd love to hear from you right off the bat. In our program also still tonight, we'll be having our feature. If you remember the feature that we introduced some time back when we began the two hour series. We spoke about having uh, faith of our leaders. Faith of our leaders is where we invite guests who are leaders in their own right 
and in respect of fora, and we have begun by talking to leaders in, in the political space. And for tonight, we will be talking to our guests who will be giving us some perspective from their faith. He's a faith leader who, well, he's a leader, also has a faith from the National Freedom Party. The National Freedom Party leader, Ahmed Munzor Sheikh Imam. Very, very interesting. You'll listen to that conversation right after eight. That will give you the religion bulletin. But right now, we'll take a break and come back. When we come back, hopefully we will be connected to our guests. You're listening to Facts of Faith. Naye Lupondwana on SAFM. As we're trying to get connected to our guests, and again, I do say that we will be connected to them in a short while. Evangelist Eastern Zinumwe, Mulana Mtogozisi Masego, and Minister Lori Gohm will be giving us some perspective on the question we're trying to get answered to for this evening. Remember our question for tonight, should South African places of worship make an effort and take the leading role in making members of the LGBTIQ community feel safer? Not only in those spaces, but other spaces as well, regardless of what they believe is their scriptural position. This is not to say we're negating their scriptural position. We are, however, saying, can these people, can people created by the Almighty be treated as subhumans in places of worship? Can communities of faith put aside the fact that they have a perhaps religious prejudice, if we can put it like that, and look at the person as a creature of God, as a man or a woman created by God. Set aside your opinions and your religious persuasions and make sure in your presence that man or woman who is just as much a creature of God as you are is safe in your environment. Well, let's try and see if we have our guests. Let's begin with Lori Gorm. Lori Gorm is a gay minister of the Dutch Reformed Church and does work in gender equity and reconciliation. Lori, good evening to you and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Lori, can you hear me? All right, we're going to try and get connected to Lori Gorm as well. But we do have <coughs> Mulana on the line. Mulana Mtokos is Simasego who is a Muslim theologian and a former Imam. Mulana, good evening to you, and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Yeah, good evening, and thank you for having me. The, the audio is quite uh, low. I'm struggling to hear you, so, um, but I will try. Keep on, I'll try to, I'll try to listen All closely. right, I'm going to ask my... All right, thank you very much, Mulana. I'm going to ask my guys to boost me there, because on my side, I've boosted much as, as I can. Also, we do have Evangelist Eastern Zanumwe. Evangelist Zanumwe is an evangelist who is a Hebrew Israelite, and we all know him as no stranger to the program. Evangelist, good evening to you, and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Good evening, Naya. Thank you so much for the privilege. All right. 
as soon as we can, we will get connected to Lori Gorm. And it's very important that we get connected to Lori Gorm, who's <clears> the <throat> minister who's going to be giving us some perspective as well. If you permit me, I'm just going to take a dip, break, brief break right now, and then we come back and get right down to it because it's important that we have Lori Gorm, who is our guest for tonight. Just take a standby. Hashtag SAFM Facts of Faith. All right, let's get down to it. While we're still trying to get connected to Lori Gorm, let's begin with the Mulana, who is the newbie in our program. Mulana, should communities who are members of the LGBTIQ community, should people who are members of the LGBTIQ community, should the creation of God, who are members of the LGBTIQ community, be allowed in the communities of faith, in the places of worship where you are worshiping? Are they? Um, well, uh, thank you once again. Um, I think it's, it's quite important for me to say on the onset that uh, this is a very sensitive and very important subject, you know, and I hope that uh, we'll be able to cover as much as we can. And uh, I'll really appreciate if we can arrange also in future, probably if we can reach out to the producers that arrange a series of the subject, because I'm not sure if we can cover everything. Uh, as to the to to the to the question, um, it is important to know that Islam as a religion does not have a problem with sinners, but it does have a problem with the sin. And the reason for that is because, Islamically speaking, sinners are all human. Sinners uh, do not. Okay, so sinners uh, in the sight of God, they are equal in the sight of God in the sense that. All, no, no sinner is privileged, has a, is privileged above the other. Okay, so a killer, for instance, or maybe the uh, person that is uh, a liar and so forth. Okay, and we do have the saying of the Prophet in our tradition says that uh, every son of Adam is a sinner. And however, the most, the best of sinners are those who turn back to God in repentance. Right, in, in, in quote. And in this case, when you speak about repentance, the first, uh, the images, the places of repentance are the mosques, the mosques, the, the churches, the synagogues, and so forth. So, from the Islamic perspective, this already indicates this verse or this this uh, tradition that I've just indicated to you already indicates that a, a place of worship is for everyone because all everyone, all human beings are sinners. All right, <laughs> forgive me. Before we continue, Sylvester, please, please just cut the bed there. I can still hear it going on. Um, I'm not quite sure, Mulana, if that answers the question. Are those people welcome? Are they safe in your space? Because it would appear as though many people who are members, who are members of the LGBTIQ community don't find safety in your places of worship as religious people. Not only is the case with Islam, but you find with almost all Abrahamic faiths seem to have a very stark view of this community and should they see this person or I be told that this person is a member of this community, they are repulsed by by way one way or the other. So my question is, is it not perhaps something that you need to look at as a community of believers, particularly in your places of work and in general in other spaces as well? I think your question is good, but uh, at the same time, it assumes that 
uh, it assumes that uh, there is no sin going on and there is no harm, there is no problem going on. I mean, I think the question, the first question that should be tackled is why do religious faiths, why are these faiths having an issue with the LGBTI community, right? Before we even address the issue of uh, making this, this species accessible for them. It is very important for us to bear in mind that we're speaking about religion. And in, as, you have, as you have already stated, that uh, religions do have an issue around, uh, so there is a concept of a sin in religion. So we cannot avoid that. We cannot skip that and discuss other things as opposed to uh, addressing the issue at hand, which is the sin itself. So for, as an individual, I don't think there is any uh, person that can legit, legitimately argue in saying that, uh, you know, people are prevented from entering and used in places of worship. But as a human being, from the perspective of the person entering the space of worshiping, right? I don't think it's ever possible. But when we then discuss the issue of the sin, that's what should be discussed as, as to... Uh, what, how does the religion look at sin and how does it deal with it in this context? Okay, first, the question does not assume that there is no sin. The question, as I've stated in my intro, states clearly that every man, those who are committing sin in the perspective of yours as a community uh, of, of the LGBTI kind, or those who are sinners who are defiling their, their bodies by eating things that we all know are haram. Those who are committing sin in the sense that they are opening up their mouths and saying things that are not permissible in Islam. People who are committing adultery who are Muslims. People who are committing sins like stealing and fraud and lying and all of these things that we know are not permissible. So. All these sins, whether they are sins practiced by people who are in the LGBTIQ community or those who are not members of the LGBTI community, they're all committing sin. But your statement and your reply presupposes that there are sins that are better than others. And thus, those that are committed by people who are not members of the LGBTI community are better. And that's why they are not going to be heeded, but those that are committed by the LGBTI community are worse. Kindly clarify that point, Mulana. Not really. Um, I mean, I, we, we didn't, uh, I don't think we have yet discussed uh, the LGBTI, uh, QI, uh, you know, is it a sin or not? I, actually, that's what I would like us to go to. You know, that's a direction like us to go towards. Uh, what, what we have discussed so far is the idea of the spaces of worship being accessible to everyone. And this is, uh, I'm stating from the, from the Islamic tradition, that they are open to everybody. However, what is important is we cannot avoid the notion of a sin, right? So, yes, the, the adulter people who commit adultery and people who steal and people who do all these other kinds of sins, uh, when they go to the mosque, for instance, they acknowledge themselves as, as people who need to mend their ways with God. Meaning when they go there, they are trying, they are, they are trying by level best to turn back to God and, and, and seek guidance from God in a sense that God can assist them from abandoning this sin. You see, is it the same case with the LGBTQI community? I am not sure. But is, are the spaces of worship, uh, are they paired from using the spaces of worship 
I don't think so. But when you're discussing the, the issue of the sin itself, it also needs to be clear how do they look at this? How do, do, do they consider this act as a sin or not? Because this is basically the real question and a real discussion that I think uh, it should be tackled. And, and probably that's where the clarity comes from. <clears throat> Hello. Hello. Hi. All right, let's try again. I'm hoping this time around I'm not going to get cut. Do apologize for that. I got interrupted as I said at the beginning of the program. I am not at our Johannesburg studios. I am at the city of flowers. That's Bloemfontein. And so I hope everything will work out well now. Monana, please forgive me. Um, you were making a point there. I'd love to hear the point again. Go ahead. Okay, so I think, um, so more particularly also the, the issue, the masjid, right, which is a prayer for a place, a space of, of prayer for Muslims. They are accessible and open to everybody, to everyone. Uh, and the reason why is because we go there so that we can mend our ways with God Almighty. And, and when we go there and mending our ways with God Almighty, we actually acknowledge that there is something wrong that needs to be fixed. And this is basically, I think, the main question that lies in, in saying why, like I said earlier on, that uh, spaces of worship, they are open to everyone. But... In when we're talking about the LGBTQIQ community and the, the situation of, you know, same-sex marriage, what is it? What, do they perceive it as a sin or not? Because I think that's what matters the most. That's, that's the main discussion for me. What I'm trying to understand there, Mulana, is if you know that this is sin, and by the way, the members of the LGBTIQ community don't go and have sex there at the mosque. They go there like any other Muslim and they go and pray like any other Muslim. Why should that be a problem? Is it because they sin differently from you? No. So if you put it like that, then there's absolutely no problem because who will know that this is a, this is a LGBTQ member of a community or I mean, who knows that this is a thief or maybe this is an adulteress or an adulterer. We all go there as, as human beings and remember our ways with God. Right. In that sense, the spaces of, of worship are always accessible and available to everyone in that sense. So there is no exclusion. Mm. There is an exclusion, Mulan, and I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring the evangelists into the conversation as well. But there is an exclusion, and that's what I want us to talk about tonight. We cannot pretend as though there is no exclusion because members of the LGBTI community have not found themselves safe in all spaces of worship. They find questions, as you've been asking now, as though there is nothing, absolutely nothing wrong done by other people. Quite frankly, the very idea, the very idea of the open mosque, I'm understanding, was predicated on the very same feces 
which, by the way, many Muslims ridiculed when we saw the opening of the open mosque in Cape Town. Let's bring in the evangelist. Evangelist, what is your take? Should members of the LGBTI community feel safe in your spaces of worship? And should you, as leaders, make sure that these people are welcome and are safe in your spaces of worship? Thank you, Nay. I... The Hebrew faith welcomes all people that are sinners to come and be restored unto the righteousness of Yah. So in whatever abominable state that you are in, the Hebrew faith invites all to come and be restored to the image that Yah has designed men for. Now, but there is a problem now. When you want to come in an abominable state and you want to retain and maintain that state as a way of life, that cannot be acceptable in the face of the Hebrew. Because when you come as a, as, a, as a repentant sinner, you are saying, I want to be changed from what I am to be what Yah wants me to be. So if you say, uh, the LGBTQ must feel safe uh, by maintaining, retaining their, their abomination in the place of worship. That cannot be accepted in the scriptures because the scriptures are very clear. They have equated several places, judgment will fall, particularly on the scene of, 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 of homosexuality. So there's no way we can start to change it now so that we can accommodate some types of sin whilst others cannot be accommodated. There is no way homosexuality can be preferred as a sin. There's no way homosexuality can be treated unlike other sins. So if you do not steal, if you do not murder, if you do not break your words, Shabbat, then you cannot also come and maintain your abominable way of life of homosexuality in the places of worship. But what influence is that going to give, especially to the young people? I, I, I can almost guarantee you, Evangelist, you'll never find a verse in your Bible that says people will be found accountable for their sins, particularly the LGBTI community or homosexuality. Is there such a verse that says that, or is you editing the verse a bit, the evangelist? Did I get you correctly? Are you saying no one is going to be held accountable for? for no, 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 evangelist. You said that the Bible says everyone will be held accountable for the sins they commit, particularly the, the, the sins of homosexuality. And I'm suggesting to you that there is no, there's no text in the Bible that says Particularly, according to your Bible, all sins are equal. It doesn't say yeah, particularly the sins of homosexuality. That is exactly just what I said. I said there is no. We cannot single out one sin and make it, or single out one abomination and make it uh, uh, compromise it and make it acceptable. But you said particularly. You singled out homosexuality, there, Ivan. You said particularly I, I, homosexuality. I, I I, I, okay, if I said particularly, then I, I, you heard me from the beginning. I have equated all sins as equal. Okay, let's, let's get to the part. 
And I don't, I, 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 I didn't say particularly LGBTQ. That's fine. That's all right. That is over and above others. No. All right. That's fine. In the fine. sense of our discussion today, you, it seems like we are supposed to treat homosexuality differently from other things. Let, let, let's, mm. That's fine. Let's, let's get to that part. Um, and by the way, um, I'm hoping we do have Lori because it's important that we bring in Lori Gorm as part of the conversation. Um, uh, um, let's yeah. get to that part. Oh, thank you very much, Lori. I'll, I'll be with you just yes. now. We, 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 are, we are talking, Evangelist, about two things that are perhaps speaking past each other. The, the LGBTI community have openly stated what they believe and are living according to their convictions. The rest of us are manipulative liars who continue sinning in secret, living our abominable lifestyles in secret, and pretend to be sinless. We go underground and eat all the sin we want to eat, wipe our mouths, come up for air, and pretend everything is hunky-dory. My question to you is, is that what you're preferring? People are going to pretend to be doing nothing, and yet there are. And yet we're all the same. I, I don't know about other belief systems or other other faiths. In the Hebrew faith, if you openly sin and you do something that is an abomination openly, there uh, there are consequences for that. You 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 can't go about committing uh, uh, adultery and then. Hope that uh, you just be allowed to, to be in the place of worship, uh, uh, taking roles and doing everything. No, you can't. When you do that, and it has come to the knowledge of, of, of it has come to the knowledge of the leadership, it has come to the knowledge of the congregation. Then you are supposed to take remedial action for that, and you must be willing to be corrected. All right. Let's bring in now, when you, when, 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 when you when when you are practicing uh, uh, homosexuality and you want to do it openly, <laughs> you said you have just said they do it hidden, right? And no one sees them. That's different now. You see, and now when you want to practice homosexuality openly at a place of worship, ah, my, you you see, no no no, it's an abomination. It, it can't be accepted. Are you, are, you, are you saying that it is preferred for people to sin secretly and not openly? Well, sorry, I didn't get that. Are you suggesting that people are preferred to sin, to sin secretly? They should not sin openly no, like... No, that's, that, that's what I'm saying. You have said that people are sinning secretly, so that means no one is seeing them uh, and they are of no influence to anyone else, right? So, so... How do we take any remedial action to them when you don't see? But when you come openly and do it openly and live your sin openly, it's not only going to affect you, it's going to affect everyone else. Sin, whether committed openly or secretly, is still sin. But what we are saying, we cannot, we, we cannot swallow sin. We cannot eat sin. We cannot live sin. We cannot see sin openly and accept it as a norm. No. If it is All sin, right. it is sin. We must, we must condemn it, and we must not practice it, and we must not be seen to be condoning sin. That's it. That's what, this, that's what the scriptures 
are actually teaching. When you commit any of those sins, there is a judge who is going to judge us at the end of the day. But when we commit sin, we must come to him and return and say, Abaya, give me power and strength to overcome myself, to overcome the sin that I'm living in. And you'll be forgiven, and you'll be given the power to overcome that. All right. I want to bring in Laurie. Laurie, you're listening to your co-panelists. I want to hear your response first and then your answer. Um, sorry, I, I missed that. Is, are you saying I should respond, Naya? Yes, yes, Lloyd. Yes. So I'm a bit confused by this conversation because the moment when we speak about LGBTQIA plus people, then suddenly we speak about sin in the same, um, <laughs> the same moment. And that is really a bit strange. It may be says where we as religions um, come from because uh, many religions have uh, struggled to integrate sexuality and to treat sexuality very appropriate in their religions because um, they often teach us to almost see out of our bodies and to have a, a spirit life which is then nothing about reality and nothing about the world and really denying the world and, the, and our bodies and the sexual, which is, of course, a very false, old, uh, dualistic, Greek dualistic uh, mistake that has been really uh, shown to be incorrect and false. Because if, if faith and life is about everything, also the body in my particular religion, we speak about the incarnation as um, God becoming flesh. So the flesh is actually very important to Christianity, as it is, I think, to other religions. Muhammad, as I understand it, the prophet, has been a person in flesh. It's, uh, so these people walked around the earth along with us, uh, as we do, and they actually showed us how to live in the flesh and how to live um, beautiful lives before the face of God. And therefore, to confuse LGBTQIA plus lives immediately with the sexual in the first place and then with sin, I think it really sounds a little bit sinful to me. So I think we should really appeal to a common... Uh, commonality to our faith, which can be found in the golden rule, which actually applies to most faiths, where we start off saying to each other, do, do unto others as you want them uh, do unto you. And that basically means, of course, in the Christian tradition, love for the neighbor as the self. And then our faith speak about hospitality, to welcome the stranger, to be respectful and unconditionally love and accept other people as shown by um, the leaders of our faiths in, in the past and the people that we follow in uh, these faiths of ours, um, and therefore to be radically welcoming to the stranger. I mean, in the Old Testament, we read about the widow and um and um, the orphan, 
are the, the strangers maybe in our midst, which needs special care. Those who are exploited, those who are marginalized, the, therefore the foreigners amongst us, I mean, that's a biblical and a Old Testamentic um, tenet of our faith, that the, the foreigners should be treated respectfully and with love, and therefore also the stranger, the ones that are not sharing the same sexuality as us, because they've plainly been created differently by the God of all of us, um, they should also be cared of. They should be handled as the vulnerable amongst us, and they should be protected and specially welcomed. That is the responsibility of our faith, I believe. Help me understand, Lori. Are you suggesting that as far as Islam and as far as Christianity are concerned, it is your view that they don't hold homosexuality as a sin? Well, you know, I definitely don't start with some so easily. I mean, it, that sounds almost like taking the um, the uh, glass as half full rather than, or half empty rather than half full. I rather speak about God's blessing of people and that they've been created in God's image. All of us are lookalikes of God, but we look different, and difference is the thing that we need to deal with here. There's diversity in God's creation, and there's clearly been cre- people created gay in God's image as well. So the LGBTQIA plus community is also created in God's image. And the fact that they discomfort us, that we are not used to them, that we don't know them, and that we therefore discriminate against them, that is actually um, a call to us to be more Christian and to be more neighborly, to discover these neighbors who are different from us and to learn and understand them better and respect them accordingly. Well, I ask this question, Lloyd, because both my guests, the evangelist and also the Molana, they did fill the glass halfway by saying the person is welcomed and loved and respected and appreciated and the faith invests all it has on the person. But now the rest of the half of the glass is the practice. Mm-hmm. And that is what we're dealing with now. Both of them did say unequivocally they have no problem with the person. Quite frankly, yeah. every person there is on the same wavelength. However, the distinction now between your argument is there and theirs is that they don't only leave it halfway through. They fill it up by saying, while we appreciate the person, we have a big problem with the practice. And that's why I'm asking you now to address the part of the practice. They agree with you on the first half of the class. Kindly address the second half, which is the practice. They are saying the practice is not welcomed when you're committing adultery. The practice of killing or stealing is not welcomed. And the practice of homosexuality is equally welcome. Can you respond to that? Yes. So that's where I would uh, disagree with them, that it is in the first place sin. Um, 
because, and I try to indicate now, how I see people confusing immediately um, LGBTQIA plus community with sex. They see sex, which they are not right about that when they see only sex, because sex is only a small part of all human beings that are properly integrated. And whether they are integrated in a different way, therefore they are the orientation is simply differently created by God, and that is intrinsic to them, to who they are. So you can't tell me, now if I come into a church, I must leave my body at the door. Um, and my sexuality, and then you, then there's so many strings attached to this so-called unconditional love that I don't feel welcome anymore in full at all. I won't come in because I don't belong there. These people want to cut me up in pieces. Well, I'm a full body, a sexual human being, and a believer. I, I live my life before the face of God, every moment of it. And that is my responsibility to live it um, as, a, as a Christian, but as a gay Christian. So that doesn't mean I'm going to leave my sexuality at the door. That's simply um, untenable. And um, uh, it is, you know, cutting me up in pieces. That is not the liberation, I think, that God brings to people. You know, I often say when I had cancer at some stage, and of course everyone prays to be delivered from cancer, but sometimes you you get delivered in cancer. You get called uh, to to live it before the face of God, and of course we want to to uh, you know leave things behind, and you know we know the stories of. A lot of people that have prayed uh, the day away, try to to pray it away, and that their churches uh, do the same inhumanity to them, wanting to change them, while they are saved within that situation. They are called to it, to live it responsibly before the the, the face of God, as other as every other human being. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Okay. So I want I want us to get this clear, um, uh, 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 Lori. As Naya, if I commit a sexual sin like fornication, which I understand to be sexual practices outside marriage or before marriage, and adultery, sexual practices while married but with a person to whom I'm not married or any other of the deviant sexual practices that have been outlined in Scripture, I'm still not welcome there if I'm going to openly and notoriously demonstrate that I'm practicing what I know in that faith is being, uh, well, objected to. Why would the LGBTIQ community want their open and notorious practice of what the faith already finds abominable? Why would they want a different treatment if I, as Naya, I am not mm -hmm. going to receive an acceptable treatment if I openly practice my deviant practice according to the faith? Yeah, but exactly. I mean, that the question is, what do you 
understand as deviant and whatnot? Is it only because um, through your upbringing you have been taught that there's only one way and that is one man and one woman? While if we look at reality, it is clearly not the case. There have been people throughout the ages who have been in same-sex relationships. There have been men falling in love with men and women falling in love with women. It's just a natural um, phenomena. So because we have chosen and we continue to choose to interpret Scripture to exclude people of same-sex orientation, and if we look at what that causes, the corrective rape because of the continued preaching of a specific understanding of the Bible that excludes LGBTQI people. Corrective rape continues to happen in society. Violence continues to happen in society. Murder of uh, lesbians continues to happen. Destruction and hurt, that's what... Um, we see, and if we take responsibility for that way that we choose to in, to understand Scripture, we have to ask, is this the results that it causes the damage? Is this really the good news of the gospel for those people? And the answer is clearly no. And then we need to revise our understanding of what we read and say, but this doesn't check out with reality because they are these people and they should therefore be accommodated in some other way so that they can also live before the face of God responsibly. All right. <laughs> I, 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 I totally understand what you're saying, but what I do hope we can address when we come back from the break is the issue of, well, People who are uh, particularly who are homosexual or people who have uh, the identifiable traits have found themselves in danger, and we cannot avoid that. And I would like my guests to address that part. Yes, we have identified these problems in our conversation. When we come back from the from the news, I would like us to talk about now. These are human beings. After all is said and done. Shouldn't religious communities and places of worship be safe spaces anyway? When we come back, it's 8 o'clock. It's time for us to go to the news with Noam Samuel. Welcome back and thank you very much for sticking around. It's now six minutes after eight. We're together until nine o'clock. You're listening to Facts of Faith with me, Nayelu Pondwana. We are together until nine o'clock every Sunday evening here on SAFM. Back to our conversation. We've been trying as much as we can to tread around the issue of homosexuality. We do not want to have a repeat of this conversation because we've had this conversation oh so many times. Perhaps we might have to do it again, but we just need some clarity now. I understand that Lori has to go at 15 minutes after eight. So let me just finish up with her and then I'll go back to my other guests. Lori, what would you expect these communities? You know now, and it has been abundantly made clear by almost all, and I say almost being the operative word, almost all religious leaders, their views and opinions around the practices of the LGBTIQ plus community. What would you expect them to do knowing exactly what they think and feel? 
Yeah, I do think there's a growing amount of religious leaders all over the spectrum that is reconsidering their position. And I do think it's their responsibility to reconsider their position, if they, especially if they see the damage that it continues to do and that preaching of exclusion from pulpits. I mean, you know, I come from the Dutch Reformed Church. So we have done that on race for decades. And we know the destruction that it has caused in this country because of that interpretation of our text, because we based it on the Bible, on interpretations of the Bible. We said there it says black and white people of um, color are, is of lesser value than, than uh, white people. And we know the destruction that is, it caused in this country. It's still causing... But, Lori, there is no such yeah. verse in the Bible. Excuse me? There is no yeah, verse that speaks about race or phenotype in the there Bible. There are verses that speak about that. What do you think we, did we base it on? Just like the exclusion of women. Stupidity and as, idiosyncrasies there, Lori. Do, do share with us those verses. All. because I There's a verse <laughs> for everything. It's possible to interpret the Bible like that. If you look it, at it through a racist lens, you'll find like your which verse. one? Um, well, you know, I don't want to repeat the, the very bad interpretations of scripture that has been forget about the interpretation i just i'm, I'm just again. curious to hear the verse that you're suggesting is uh, it speaks to race and phenotype well the, the verse in the uh, new testament that says women should um, not speak in church that verse has been used to shut women up not only in the church but also at home yes and but that doesn't yes. speak about race or phenotype it, exactly. It has also done so. And you can go back to, to uh, Dutch Reformed interpretations of Scripture. There would be a lot uh, to show to you. So the point is that, you know, we must have a look at where we're coming from and what our prejudices are. It could be racial. It could be racist. It could be, it could be um, homophobic. And we should have a look at, at those interpretations and have more responsible ones, especially if we look at the consequence of what these interpretations has in terms of hate crimes against um, uh, LGBTQIA plus people and continued corrective rape and so on. That is irresponsible ways of, of interpreting the Bible, and there are others. There are more and more voices coming up, and I'm telling you, in the next 20, 30 years, this is going to be less of an issue, because this is where we're going. This is a, the progressive issue of inclusion is definitely the way forward. There is no, no other way. So join the welcoming, warm heart of God's love, that is the invitation. And get to know these people who are among you, clergy people like yourself. Here I am, an LGBTQI a plus person, and I'm a believer. Um, and so let's talk, let's understand each other better. Let's not frame each other into a sexual uh, frame only. And 
let's get to know each other and support each other in the process. Uh, okay, nice. Laurie, I'm not clergy, I'm a journalist. Yes. Hello? Nice. Laurie, can you hear me? Now I hear you, Nice. Okay. What I was saying is yeah. I'm going to read some texts, if you don't mind, um, uh, before you go. But I want to just get my guest to respond to you before you leave. Is that okay? Mm -hmm. If I can do it quickly, okay. because, uh, uh, yes. But, uh, I understand. Right I understand. Now. I just need to, mm -hmm. one minute each, and then we'll go to our text. So yeah. I want to go to the evangelist. Evangelist, you're hearing what Lori is saying. Please just give us a one-minute response before he leaves, <clears throat> and then we'll go to the Mulana <clears throat> as well. One minute before he leaves. Go ahead. Uh, I didn't quite hear it. It wasn't coming to me very clearly on my on, on my end here. But um, what what I what I'm saying is that uh, uh, our sinful condition can dictate the standard of belief. The standard of belief is there. You don't take that. Evangelist, I need I need you to just shake your handset there. I can't hear you. I can't make up what you're saying. Oh, okay. What I'm saying, we 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 we, we cannot allow our way of life, our, our the way we do things, to dictate the standard of belief. The standard of belief is determined by the one that we believe in. There is no private interpretation to the instructions and the law of Yah. He is very clear. He says a man will not sleep with another man. Neither a woman will sleep with another woman. Or has an okay. intercourse. All right. Got it. Got it. Got it, evangelist. All right. I want to I bring in um, uh, Mulana. One minute, please. Lori has to go. Go ahead. <clears throat> yes. Uh, thank you. Thank you, uh, Lori. I, I think what is also important in, in all this is uh, to know that already I think religion in its sense, from the, all the Abrahamic faiths, they do not have an issue with the human being. They do not have an issue with the, with the, with the flesh, as, as you earlier on you know, described. The issue is with the sin. And having an issue with the sin doesn't mean that we are discriminatory. It doesn't make you a, a person. What he's suggesting there, Molana, is that you don't understand your scriptures. You're misinterpreting it. You're interpreting it like the racist interpreted the, the scriptures. Well, it, that's also part of the issue here. You know, that's also part of the issue. But the main, the main point that I wanted to drive home is, I, I don't think, I don't think religion at large, the Abrahamic faith, have been problematic in terms of, uh, uh, you know, not allowing or, or maybe even the. Let me speak about the, the clergy, uh, the clergy group, right, or the, the molanas, the imams, not necessarily being welcoming to people. I don't think that's 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 a real problem. I don't think that's reality. I don't think that's true. What's happening here is we are mixing the idea of a sinner and a sin as well, you know, where you find that a sinner is a human being and religion at large do not have a problem with a sinner as a human being. But the sin remains a problem. And the moment we then try to attempt to overlook the issue of the sin, that's where the problem begins. I think each and every day there are many people who sin. Some they do publicly, some uh, secretly. But the whole idea is when you, when you assume that a sin, that when, when you attempt to, 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 
turn the sin into something that is acceptable. That is a problem. Okay. All right. I hear you. I hear you. Laurie, your parting shot. Blessings to you all. You've heard my heart. Uh, and I think, uh, yes, we can just invite each other into a getting to know and understand and respect each other's stories. Um, so we'll have to create more spaces to do so. Thanks, Naye. Take care. All right. Thank you very much, Laurie. Appreciate you coming through. Perhaps, Laurie, I can invite you again so we can talk about the issue of race in the Bible, as you suggested. That sounds like a plan. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Yes, thank Naya. you very much. <laughs> All right. Um, Joey? Let's invite Laurie to be our guest and he can share with us these texts that he's suggesting are in the Bible that speak to phenotype or racialism. All right, let's get back to our conversation. By the way, I want to read some texts for those of you who have sent your text messages on WhatsApp. Thank you very much. Give me the bed there, Sylvester, as I read the text messages on WhatsApp. The one text message reads, Romans 6 verse 1 to 2 reads, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? LGBT people must not come in a manner that the faith must accommodate their behavior, but they must be willing to be washed by the blood of Christ. That's Benjamin in French hook, Bosmo. Thank you very much, Benjamin. Another text reads still on WhatsApp. If the members are not seeking repentance, and I'm assuming these are members of the LGBTI community, if the members are not seeking repentance for being part of LGBTI, are they welcomed? Can they spread their good news of tolerance and inclusion? From Lungis in Kukulet in Cape Town. Thank you very much, Mlungis. Really appreciate your text. Another one reads, Naya, if what we know about God is true, then I can bet my last rand and my life that he does not have a problem with the LGBTIQ community. Our religious leaders and their doctrines are what causes harm and division. That's Riley in Cape Town. Riley, thank you. Another text reads, Good evening, Naya, your guests and the SAFM listeners. Good evening. It's Opa Gibbs. The Bible did not instruct the Christian to condemn the LGBTIQ community because of their God-induced condition. Romans 1 verse 18 to 32 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 3 to 5 do not say we condemn them. God is the only judge, not the Christian. Thank you very much, Opa Gibbs. Really appreciate your text. I want to offer my guest opportunity to respond. Thank you very much, Sylvester. Let's go to my guest. Uh, let's begin with the Mulana. Mulana, why judge? Mulana, can you hear me? Mulana, are you there? All right, it would appear as though the Mulana is not there. Evangelist, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. All right, you heard the text messages on WhatsApp. Would you like to respond? Yes, it's, uh, you see, this issue about LGBTQ is not about what I think and uh, what I prefer or what I want. We all come to this belief uh, being guided by the Torah, 
which is to the Torah and to the Testament, if they speak not according to this way, it is because there is no light in them. Now, the Torah being our judge, being our standard, we are supposed to follow it. We are supposed to obey it because that is the word of Yah. Those are his instructions on how we should live with one another, how we should live with him, with our own creator. And how we should look after this temple, because this body is his temple. He is the one that tells us how we should live. And it's very clear in the scriptures that homosexuality, which we are discussing here, is not acceptable to him. Judgments are going to be for those who continue in the pursuit in that, in, 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 in that wicked way of life. So the scripture says, at the end of time, hello? Can you hear me, man? Yes, go ahead, go ahead. Yes. yes, I can, so, sir. Go ahead. Can I just read? Can I just read here from from Second uh, Peter chapter two, verse six? And having reduced to ashes the cities of Sodom and Amora, condemned them to destruction, having made them an example to those who afterward would live mm-hmm. wickedly, and rescued righteous losses who was oppressed with the indecent behavior of the lawless. For day after day, that righteous man dwelling among them tortured mm-hmm. his righteous being by seeing and hearing their lawless works. And we know the story of Sodom and Amora. It was that one of the things that were happening there besides the violence was the man wanting to have sex with another man. And the book of Jude, verse 7, it says, Sodom and Amora was bent to ashes as an example, just like Kepha here says, for those that will do or live wickedly in such a manner. And Yahusha speaking, he says, at the end of time, it will be like the time of Sodom and Amora, the violence, the judgment, and the wicked way of life that will be on this earth. We can see that wickedness of the highest order is mounting day after day. And when you see, even in the places of worship, discussing issues, abominations like homosexuality, then you can see how far degraded as human beings we are. We have sunk very, very low. Even dogs and the pigs know they are mates. But a man made in the image of Yahweh does not know his mates. Ah, it's a crisis. All right. First and foremost, I, I just do wish that we remember that we're talking about human beings here, evangelist. We cannot equate or liken human beings to animals, to dogs. No, I, I, we I didn't. cannot have a conversation as human beings and then say even dogs. That surely cannot be acceptable in a civilized conversation, right? I was just equating, my, I was just equating that even animals know. What is natural to them? What about us who are made in the image of Yah? I'm, I'm bringing that to your attention, the evangelist, that in our conversation, we cannot liken or equate human behavior to animal behavior. Okay. All right. I hear you. All right. Let's, let's, let's go to a part that I found rather interesting, um, um, uh, evangelist, and I'm hoping that Mulana would respond to this as well. Because this is all the teachings of of Moshe, as you probably would call him. 
Moses writes in Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 18 to 21. If someone has a stubborn and a rebellious son who does not obey his father and mother and will not listen to them when they discipline him, verse 19. This father and mother shall take hold of him and bring him to the elders at the gate of his town. Verse 20. They shall say to the elders, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Verse 21. Then all the men of his town are to stone him to death. You must purge the evil from among you. All Israel will hear of it and be afraid, full stop, close quote. Now this is the teaching that we find about disrespectful children. This is the teaching we're finding about people who are practicing bestiality. This is the practice we're seeing about people who are practicing homosexuality. And as such, the very same disdain that you have for people who are practicing homosexuality should be the same disdain you feel or have for children that are disrespectful. If you're going to call homosexuality an abomination, as you are so passionately doing, why don't you call your children an abomination and disallow them from being in your midst? Purge them from among your people. I would like to hear your response, the evangelist. Sorry? I'd like to hear your response, evangelist. Why don't you purge your own children when they are as <laughs> abominable as they are. It's, it's an abomination. It's very clear. That's what the scripture is saying. We Why not that. purge them as you're purging homosexuals, the evangelist? You know, you know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know where, where you come from. If, if a child does things that are an abomination in the family, children have been cast out of no. the home. We have children who are disrespectful in our homes as we speak, the evangelists. I have not seen any religious community, whether you're a Jew, whether you're a Hebrew, whether you're a Muslim or a Christian or whatever faith. I have not seen a family that doesn't have a disrespectful child. My question is, why not treat your children the way you're treating homosexuals? If they are abominable, the Bible calls that behavior of a disrespectful child abominable, worthy of stoning. Why don't you treat them the same way you're treating homosexuals? I, I, I don't understand when you say why don't treat them the same way. Because if a child gets to that extent where you, where you are reading from Scripture, I don't... They have. They have evangelists. I don't they have. We watch our children talking back to their fathers and talking back to their mothers. We have children who are alcoholics the, the verse speaks about how the children are gluttons and other drunkards we live with our children who are drunkards and alcoholics and and gluttons but we don't purge them we don't treat them as abominable as they should be why not they, they are they are treated as abominable as they should be it depends with the family that is dealing with that child i've heard mamas vocals that are crying about their children that are drug addicts who come and steal everything in the house and they lock them out of out of the house this is happening today. All right. All right. Mulana? Uh, well, um, I wouldn't know much from the, uh, you know, the Christian faith. And uh, I think uh, evangelist is more, uh, he's in a better place to speak from that perspective. Because for us in the, you know, in the Islamic tradition, the, so the, the stoning, the cutting of hands and, and so forth, 
actually fall under a category of uh, you know Sharia, which is known as criminal law, the penalties. And when we go to, so when we study these penalties from the life of the Prophet himself, because the Prophet lived in a uh, in Makkah, and then even in his later life, uh, uh, the last uh, final uh, thirteen years or so of his life, lived in uh, in Medina, and that's where he ruled. That's where the, the Sharia law was applied. So when we study that era, you know, the period in which the Prophet lived to see to what extent was this Sharia law applied, or maybe this part of the Sharia law, the penalties, we find that it was very rarely applied. In, in fact, uh, one a very vivid example is a situation where a woman comes uh, to the Prophet and she says, I have uh, committed adultery, right? Of, of, uh, yeah, so, yes. And then, so the Prophet then says, uh, I think you have lost your mind, you know, go away. And then so she goes away, and then three months later or so, she returns. And she says, look, I'm now there's evidence that I've committed the sin. So she points at the belly, you know, that there's, there's evidence. And the prophet then still says, uh, well, we need to wait for you until you deliver. We need to wait for the time until you deliver. And then she's sent away once again. And then now she returns a few weeks or, or days after the child, you know, after, after delivering. And uh, she says, I've delivered, and I, 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 I think the penalty should be applied on me. And then the prophet says, no, uh, let's wait until the child uh, can eat by itself. And then she's sent back again, once again. And after a few years, she comes back and says, look, now the child can eat. I think uh, this is the right time for this penalty to be applied on me. And this was probably the only time in which a stoning took place in a time of in a, in a period in Medina. And after a rigorous process in which the Prophet was trying in his, on his level best to discourage you know, it being applied, right? And when you look at the time of uh, the second caliph, Umar, there was a time in which uh, there, was, there was famine. And uh, so we know that the, the, the relationship between famine and uh, and, and uh, and uh, um, crime, right? So uh, crime rose. He actually foresaw that, that crime will rise. And then he said, during this period, we will suspend the penalty of cutting hands because a lot of people will fall into in this crime, will be tempted to steal, and then the hands will, be, will have to be cut off. So these examples are a very strong indication for us in our tradition that these penalties only serve as deterrence, only serve objective of discouraging people from doing these sins, right? But they are not necessarily a pinnacle in a sense that this is a core pillar of the Sharia that should be applied at all costs. So uh, this is what I can say from, from our tradition, that it's not, it, they do not serve the purpose of being applied all the time, like we're looking for an excuse to apply these penalties, but they only serve the purpose of discouraging and deterring. Let's 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 talk about what the Quran refers to as Juna or Haraj. Kindly explain what do you understand about Juna and Haraj? Because uh, Quran uh, two, that's the Surah two, verse two thirty five. I'm gonna read it here in my English translation. You can correct me if the translation is not acceptable. It is not sin, Juna, for you that you offer proposal of marriage to women or keep it secret. Do you, what, your take on this text there, um, Mulana? Oh, well, uh, uh, you, you, can you can please come again? Sorry, I didn't get that. 
I need you to give me your understanding of Juna or Haraj. Juna or Haraj, is, is that the Quran? Is it from the Quran? Yes. Yes, or sir. maybe it's a, it's a different uh, pronunciation. Uh, unfortunately, I do not okay. have the text in front of me. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm terrible at that pronunciation. I'm reading it in an English way. It's J-U-N-A-H. Okay, okay. What, what does it say? That's, uh, yeah, I need you to help me understand your understanding of what is this? What is Junna or Janna? Well, uh, okay, let's, 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 let's try to find out the verse. It says it's chapter 2. It's chapter 2, two three, right? Five. Yes, verse? chapter 2, verse 2, 3, 5. Verse 2, 3, 5. Okay, let me see if I can find it. This, and then... My version here says, It is no sin, Juna, for you that you offer proposal of marriage to women or keep it secret? Have you found it? Okay. The other one I'd like you to, 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 to address there, uh, uh, Mulana, is Quran there is no 83 problem upon verse you. 20. Let me see if it is, is that's the same. There is no problem, there is no blame upon you for that to which you indirectly allude concerning a proposal to women or for what you conceal within yourself. Is that, is that a verse you're talking about? Yes, the, yeah, the word that I'm looking for is the one that in your translation is, is translated problem. There is no problem. In, in okay. the original, in the, in the, in the, can you read it in, in the Arabic there? Because it uses another word in the Arabic. Okay. That's, that's an Arabic text. Uh, yes, Juna. One of Juna Hali. That that that's that's the word. That Juna that Juna word there. Okay. Or oh, Junaha. Junaha is no blame. So there is no blame upon you for that to which you indirectly allude concerning a proposal to women or for what you conceal within yourselves. Allah knows that yes. you will have you will have them in mind. But do not promise them secretly except for saying a proper say. Mm -hmm. And do not determine to undertake a marriage contract until the, the decreed period reaches its end. And know that Allah knows what is within yourself, so beware of him. And know that Allah is forgiving and for, uh, forbearing. And also I need you to read Quran 83, 29 to 32. My version says, Behold those who commit juram. I'm hoping I'm reading that correctly again. The word I'm interested there is that juram. Juram used to laugh at those who believed, winking one at another when they passed them by. And when they went back to their own fold, they returned jesting, and when they saw them, they used to say, Lo, these have indeed gone astray, full stop, close quote. The word I'm looking for is juram there. It would appear as though the, the Quran is very clear and abundantly clear that about the conduct, and it is given different words, using different words for this very same objectionable behavior there, Mulana. Okay, yes. Is there a question there? A specific question, maybe? Yes, that's what I'm. That's what that's what I'm trying to get at. Mm -hmm. the, the Quran has used these phrases, these terms, to clear, clearly point it out. It's not just in uh, Sharia. It's there in the Quran. There, uh, Mulana. Yes. Uh, well, um, 
yes, I do have I, I, I have the first verse that you required uh, you requested me to read, okay. and uh, I didn't get uh, the specific question from the verse. And I assume that you also uh, you will want me to attend to the second verse now, the one that you are reading now. Yeah. Okay. I'm running out of time there, Mula. I want us to conclude yes. now. So All right. now we're talking about the issue of of of, of the safety and the well being of people. Right. Are you therefore saying because there are these open sins, as you call them, you therefore are, are not able to keep these people safe in your environment? No, I think the, the question of safety is unconditional. People have to be kept safety, right? Safety is, is, is even in, our, in the, as a South African, I can speak even from the perspective of the Constitution, right, which protects our rights. But we should not confuse the idea of safety along with the idea of sin. We, all along, we've been speaking about the idea of sin. And what is, what is, uh, and, and what is important also here is, I think often than not, the mistake that is made uh, when it comes to religious traditions is a lot of imposition has been done upon them by more particularly the LGBTQI community in saying that they need to be accepted, right? And by them saying so, there is that implicit, you know, uh, demand that we need to be accepted and our, our sin or our, our practice needs to be accepted as, 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 uh, as uh, a, a religiously acceptable. That is a problem. We, no, I don't no, think, no, no, I don't sir. Think. They want, as people, they want to be accepted. Not necessarily their practices. Their practices are done behind closed doors, like the rest of us. We commit our sins behind closed yes. doors. Yes. But none of us who are not members of the LGBTI community find ourselves at risk. Our lives are at risk, even in yes. church communities, or after we walk into our church communities. I want to yes. give um, a shake, um, the evangelist the opportunity to give his closing remarks as well. Evangelist, your parting shot. Go ahead. Uh, uh, <laughs> the Hebrew assembly places are not war zones. They are not filled with the landmines. Those places are very safe for anyone to come and worship and be transformed. The only problem will come when people want to be accepted the way they are and continue to live the way they are. And here is where the problem is. You come as a man, you come as a husband, and you come as partners, whatever the they is. And they live in the, they stay in the congregation place. Young people see them doing that. They will think it is something that is acceptable. So that behavior, that kind of lifestyle, when you come to the Hebrew assembly question, you must be cunning, repenting, saying, I don't want to live in a queer way like this. I want to okay. change. I want to be transformed. When you come with that mindset, then secondly, you are most welcome. But our places of worship are not unsafe. If they claim that they are not safe, I don't think that's the truth. In any place of worship, there is no place that is unsafe. It is safe to come there and Okay, all right. We're going to leave it right there. Got it. Got it. Thank you very much, Evangelist. I really appreciate you coming through and talking to us. These sins and new is an evangelist too. Thank you, you Nice. Evangelist. Thank you. Thank you. Mulana, I'm a theologian and also former imam. Thank you, Mulana. Also, with you thanking his absence, Lori Gorm was the gay minister of the Dutch Reformed Church and does work at the Gender Equity and Reconciliation. We could take a break and come back. When we come back, we go and focus on our feature after eight feature, which is faith of our leaders. You're listening to Facts of Faith.